Winning in the Workplace. The show focused on taking your business to the next level. Featuring expert business consultant and trainer Maurice Velasquez of Team Real World, along with 2013 Louisiana Broadcaster of the Year, Gordy Rush. This is Winning in the Workplace. Welcome to Winning in the Workplace. I'm Gordy Rush. He is Maurice Velasquez from Team Real World. How are you? Hey, Gordy. Good morning. Good afternoon. Hello, everybody. It's it's a beautiful day, it is. and it's a beautiful day to talk about a topic that's not always easy to it's deal with. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's really hard because this is where we're going to talk about the whole show, uh, the, the trappings and the frustrations that managers and supervisors feel uh, of when they're not able to get their employees to rise up to the occasion and become the great employees they want. They get pressure from everybody, especially from the supervisors. Why is such and such not performing? And then how in the world do you get ahead when you're trying to do so much? That's and so right. that's what it, that's what it's all about. And, and, and every company goes through a time in which they have toxic employees. Yes, yes. And uh, well, we're going to talk about well, you know, preventing them. Yeah, why don't, yeah. We start, why don't we start with that, okay? Um, all right, so toxic employees. All right, let's, let's talk about that. What do you, what do you mean by toxic? Well, I think toxic employees, in, in my mind, are people that disturb or are hurting the culture that you as a leader right. are trying to establish. Right, right. Um, and yeah. uh, it's it's brutal. Yeah, it is. It's really hard. Um, the, the biggest problem, I think, is that a lot of supervisors and managers – when they think in terms of their toxic employees, they've already given their they've they've already given up on them. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they make comments like, "Well, they're unsalvageable," uh, and how can we get rid of them? And and a lot of times you do have to get rid of them. So let's break it up into an eighty twenty. Okay. Okay. Twenty um, percent of those toxic employees probably should have never been hired. Okay. Or within the first 90 days, it was clear that it was not going to work out. So can we just say a good 20 percent? I'm fair with that. You know, uh, there's good training. There's good oversight. There's good interaction with them. The, uh, you know, the company's doing its job to make sure that they, they have all the resources. But then they go toxic. And, and there's just there's just people out there that you just can't please them. This wasn't the right job for them. There's other, whatever, or their attitude, what, you know, and they just, it's just a bad hire from the beginning. Let's put those in the 20% category. Okay. Because I think this is where the disagreement is, is most people think that toxic employees are the 60%. Okay. I don't, I don't think so. And what I'm in, I'm encouraging all of our listeners and what I encourage our clients is to don't think of toxic employees that they're toxic uh, most of the time. So the 80% are from? Are those that became toxic. Got you. They were good employees. But? Okay. But what happened? Ultimately, bottom line, problems were not resolved. Right. That's, re- that's really what it boils down to. And the toxic employees are the ones that are going to be verbal about the fact that they're not happy. It's that squeaky wheel. Right, right. Right? And so ask yourself, let me ask you a question, Gordy. Who's your best client? Those clients that call you angry and upset because you let them down or those clients that never call you and they leave you? The, the ones that are they're angry and upset. They exactly. Care, they care enough to tell you. There sure. you go. So right. let's apply that to the employees. Right. Okay. Employees who start becoming vocal about the fact that they're not happy, we immediately as a company classify them as problem employees. They have a bad attitude, okay? 
Well, then no one goes to their rescue, but really, you just answered, the best clients are the ones who complain. Right. But when it comes to employees, what do we say about those that complain? They're the worst. They're the worst. Right. Well, we have to change our mindset. Gotcha. Whenever an employee starts being vocal about the problems, the supervisors need to realize that's your best friend. Okay, and here's the way. Here's tell, tell me if you if you don't experience. I, I experience this a lot. Uh, a manager has five, six, seven, ten employees, right? And the most vocal, the one that's you know the hothead, <laughs> the one that's becoming toxic, they go to the supervisor and they say, "Hey, look, uh, I want to talk to you, and I think I'm representing everybody else." Mm-hmm. Okay, that frustrates managers. Right, they hate to hear that. So then the manager says, "Well, I'm gonna have to go find out from everybody else if that's the case." Right. Right. I say, what are you doing? Do you really think the others that are on speaking up are going to come and tell you now that you're going to put them on the spot? No. No. Right. And then they're going to say, hey, such and such colleague of yours said ABC. Man, those employees are usually the passive ones or the ones that are introverts. They're going to run away from that conflict and they will throw that colleague under the bus. Well, I don't know. I didn't tell him to do that. I didn't tell him to. I didn't tell him to say that. And so what the manager misses is they miss an opportunity to listen to what the problems are, because what's happened is they've gossiped around each other mm-hmm. and they have officially or unofficially designated that that hothead to be the one that goes up. Right. Right. And so if the hothead goes up, at least that person is trying to be a leader. And then we don't let them. We, we, we say, you know what, stop, you're not, you're, you, it's not your job to represent everybody else, and then mm-hmm. we don't accept that leadership, and ultimately we don't fix the problem. Everybody else is willing to live in the company with problems except the two or three hotheads, and they're willing to be fired because they don't want to work in a company that doesn't fix problems. And so the company loses some of its best employees because they don't fix the problems that the hotheads are trying to bring attention to, they're classified as toxic, and then that energy goes out, and then you're left with who? The ones that are okay right. with just whatever. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because in retrospect, when I think of my experience with people that are that are actually toxic, is that are the people that are trouble and the people that eventually you wind up moving out of there are not the ones that speak up. Right. They're the ones that are hiding. They're Correct. the ones that are Correct. feeding underneath, but will never come and vet that to your yeah, face. Yeah, and you have to just recognize this is why it's so important for managers and supervisors to understand personality differences. Mm-hmm. You're going to have 60 to 70% of your staff that are the introverted kind, okay? They're not going to cause conflict, okay? Uh, I heard it once say that a, a, an introverted passive individual, uh, if they were a flight attendant, a, fl- a, fl- a flight uh, a stewardess or a right, steward, right. okay? They would rather they would be rather risk the plane hitting the mountain than to go tell the pilot and create conflict that we're running out of gas. And so the the introverts just don't ha- that's not their strength to go and create noise, but it is the strength of those personalities in in the more heated you know what we're calling toxic employees to be the ones who speak up on behalf of the team. Got you. The most successful thing that a supervisor and a manager can do is go connect with those guys because they're the first lead, they're the first followers right. who are helping to represent the issues, the real issues. 
and they're telling you the truth. Interesting. Regardless of performance or anything else, these it's, are the loudest of people without a doubt. that are going to bring anything. As a matter of fact, the, right. the, 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 the loud mouths may be the ones who are performing the least, yeah. but they're doing you a key favor, and that's what? They're, they're bringing the issues to they're you. They're telling you what the issues are. And then if you fix those problems, what happens to the team? Well, it gets. They're going to go back and and change their team. They realize that works, and so that's why they go toxic. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, they go toxic because some people twenty percent just you're not going to fix that. The eighty percent is what you're trying to salvage, and the ma- the supervisors and managers need to understand this mentality that we just talked about today. You know, the you talk about a you talked about a couple of points, and and um, the eighty percent are people that you hire that are not toxic at first correct but turn that way right in 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 my experience and i'll bounce this off of you that they often are the ones in 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 which the perception of where they are right they think they are which is higher than the reality of where I think they're perceived by management. When mm-hmm. you get something that's out of whack mm-hmm. and somebody thinks there's a little bit more worth and what have you, that's been one of the things that I th- think that have turned people toxic. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because they, they mm-hmm. feel like you can't, you, can't, you can't do anything about any of this. I it's going to yeah. go nowhere. That and probably the other thing is, is people that are content. You know, they come out hungry and they get to a point and then they're content with where they are. That's right. And they shut it down, and they're going to resist. Yeah, yeah. The, any sort of management or motivation to grow. That's right. Somebody asked Henry Ford once, uh, "What if we spend all this time, energy, and training on people, and then they quit on us?" Yeah. Okay. His response was, "Okay, you're right, but think about the alternative. What if we don't That's train right. them and they stay?" So let's apply it to this. Well, what if you have a bunch of toxic people? You know, and they create all this noise about all the problems that are happening. The answer is, well, what if we get left with those that won't speak up? That's right. Okay, because we don't want to hear drama. Right. Managers, supervisors, executives, leaders at the top, they don't want to hear drama. And because there's drama, they go, oh, somebody's got to quiet those guys. They have a bad attitude. No, they don't have a bad attitude. They're just upset that all you're offering me is Christmas parties, dinners, Money here, money there, but when we come back from all those parties and events, okay, Mm -hmm. I come back to Monday morning, and what's still there waiting for me? The same problems that you guys are not paying attention to. Interesting. So so the recap, how to prevent toxic employees. Listen to your employees. You want to listen to those that are willing to speak up and address those head on. And fix those problems. Run, Run to the problems and fix them. All right, Maurice, we've been talking about toxic employees, troubled employees, if you will. And I'm going to put you in the position of a middle manager. Okay. And uh, the, the topic uh, that we're going to hit on is is how do you prevent your boss, in my case, let's say me, from wanting you to the dismiss manager. the middle manager, some of your employees. Okay, so you're my boss. I'm the boss. Let's I, play this role. Right. You're my boss, and I have seven employees. Yeah, we've okay. got uh, Hank Williams, a uh, statue right, of him right go. over there. So, <laughs> Maurice, I want you to get rid of Hank Williams, okay, Jr. Okay, so, so we we got Hank Williams there right here. Is. For those on the radio, you can't see this, but we got Hank's a little Hank's got to go. So we got a little statue here of Too Hank rowdy. Williams. Yeah, he's he's way to go. His dress coat's improper. Right. He, doesn't, he doesn't clean that beard. Won't right? shave. And he just won't shave. All right, so the problem is, if I'm hearing you correctly, is you you're the executive. Your assessment of his performance is that he's got to go. Right. 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 Okay. Uh, ultimately, the the answer is is do I agree with that? 
That's really that's really the problem. Okay, so is let that me... I don't agree. Right. So and I probably don't agree on three areas. Okay. Number one, the goals. You're too demanding. You want me to do what with him? You know what I'm saying? And there's this there's this disagreement from the middle manager that I just don't think you're being reasonable. Okay. And the company, what? Wait, but hold on, we're doing these other seven projects. Now you want us to do this and then this and then that and then, and it, it's just too much. I'm you know I'm I'm just not in agreement. The problem is I'm probably not telling you. Right. I'm probably not advocating for them loudly enough and well enough with you. This uh, Just before I came on the show, right. I was on a conference call with a client out of state, and the sales reps, and their sales manager was on the phone on, in the same conference call. And he, they said, how do we prevent the owner who's in another state from constantly calling us and threatening us? Right. Okay? Right. So I asked the manager, who's on the line? And I said, first of all, do you know this is happening? Two, yes. Do you agree with what's being said? He said, no. I said, well, let me ask you this. Is Are you advocating for them and make sure that your boss and your employees are on the same page? Dead silence. Yeah. Because the manager has realized my boss won't listen or I can't get my ma- my employees, so I'm just going to get out of the way. And that's what happens. They don't agree on the goals or the intensity, and they kind of just get out of the way, and they allow that vacuum for the for the boss to have to let to have to put pressure more directly. Interesting. So, uh, you know, the first, uh, to me, the, the common sense, one common sense solution, at some point, middle managers got to stand up. They have to because stand up. Because if not, you're just going to have this vicious merry-go-round going on, and sooner or later, middle managers going to be called to the carpet. That's right. I, I, um, I was interviewing an employee and another client about a month ago, mm-hmm. and they're hiring a middle manager. And so we thought we'd go to one of the employees who has a lot of management experience and said, would you like to be considered as, as candidate for um, for manager? Her answer was no. I, and, and you're good at this. She says, I'm not willing to fight anymore. Right. And when she said that, I was like, okay, what do you mean by fight? I said, look, I know what it takes to be a manager. You have to be regularly willing to have tough conversations up and tough conversations down, and that's not where I'm at in point. That's an interesting part, you know. And 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 she said it better than I have ever heard anybody say it. She just does not want to have the necessary tough conversations up and down to get everybody on the same page in the market. That's called crucial conversations, right? And most middle managers, they just don't want to do that. And and middle managers are often promoted. And promoted, and so that's their first right, first experience with crucial conversations. Yes. So, in your mind, th- then how do you have the discussion with middle managers about having tough conversations? Um, there, there has to be. I know you and I have watched Steve Jobs' a video. That, mm-hmm. that he basically says in a video that we use is that. We have to be able to have regular sit-down meetings, perhaps he says once a week, where we have to be willing to have professional disagreements with one another. Yes. And so the executives have to create that with the managers. They have to go into the manager meetings and say, let's talk, and we need to see you guys disagree with us. If we don't see you guys disagreeing with us, that tells us that you're not listening to your employees either because you're not teaching them how to disagree with you. Right, right. So when everybody's kind of like, uh, uh-oh, Gordy's in the room, yeah, sure, Gordy, yeah. And they're kind of just, right. that's your signal that they're doing the same to their employees. 
because when they go when they go into those meetings with their employees, they're probably carrying that 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 hierarchy authority title, and they're not fostering disagreement. All right, so I'll put you on the spot. You come in, I'll take you out of the middle management position. Sure. I'll bring you in as a consultant. You're Maurice with Team Real World. You come in. How do you remedy the situation? Middle managers struggling to have crucial conversations. It's is you have to really just practice. Everybody get in those meetings and let's have those tough conversations. And and then it's just saying it's okay. And the, and that the 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 strong-willed individuals aren't shutting things down. There, there's there's two elements in each meeting that are gonna they're gonna hamper this. Those that are very vocal and dominant, and they take over the meeting, so nobody speaks up. And then those that are that are not comfortable with with tough conversations. So what they then do is then they go report up to the executives that that meeting didn't go well because it's just full of conflict. Mm-hmm. And then what you know, and then it just falls apart because on one end, too many you know the the really extroverts created way too much conflict, and the real introverts aren't comfortable with that. Now, if you're having these conversations, these meetings on a regular basis between middle managers and executives, then shouldn't those crucial conversations not be as uncomfortable as you're saying that they sometimes are? Yes. The first wave of it, they are uncomfortable. But it, but as you, as you practice, it, it's, not, it's not as hard. You know, I, I, usually, um, I usually use this analogy. It's like boxing, Okay. If you're a good boxer and you're a professional boxer, it doesn't matter how many times you fight, you're still going to get knocked knocked hard, right? Mm-hmm. Because the other guys that you're that you're boxing are probably just as good, and you're going to get hit really hard. So it never goes away, correct? We agree with that. No, I agree with okay? that. Yeah. But what would you rather have, a boxing match or a street fight? Well, a boxing match. Right. Well, yeah. that's the difference. Sure. A good boxing match is a reality all the way to the end. Right. Okay. Because we got to grow this thing. Yeah. But it's not a street fight. And whenever we don't learn how to have crucial conversations between the different levels, all we're left with is street fights. Everyone uses their own style. Everyone uses their own meeting style, their own, you know what I'm saying? Some people use email. Some people use hallway conversations. Some use passive aggressive. There's not an agreed form of how we debate and discuss here. So it's everybody on their own. So... Let's talk about the role of the boss. So you as a consultant dealing with the boss who's obviously not getting the progress he wants. He's not getting the feedback. He's not having the crucial conversations brought back up to him. To him or her. And as a result, you you have a whole lot of frustration. Correct. And, you know, from from my personal standpoint, you know, as you're always evolving, right? Sure, sure. You know, I think that, that as a part of me, that realizes, look, it's a part of the process right. when you're growing sure. middle managers. Sure. But also there's the other part of it. It's like, okay, we, we need been been screwing around with this long enough. Yeah. We need to yeah. get it fixed. So, for example. How, how would okay. you treat the so, boss? Okay, let, let, me, let me create a scenario. Right. You're the boss, okay? You're the boss, and you have four departments that report to you. Yeah. And that's, that's close to what you yeah, have, is, right? right? Okay. You go talk to Department A, and they tell you ABC. Mm-hmm. And you need Department 2 to be in agreement on most of that. So you go talk to department two and they're telling you, uh, it's CDE, mm-hmm. okay? Now, to get the managers from department one and department two to talk to each other and get on the same page, how difficult is that? It shouldn't be, it, it shouldn't be that but, hard, but, but that's, that's what needs to be done, is the, the middle problem. managers talking, right? They, they, they won't talk to each other. They'll talk right. to you, right. but then you tell them, all right, department one manager, work it department out. two, work it out. Can they work it out? No. And the executive, the user of the world, all of us, because okay, they then realize, you mean I'm going to have to call that meeting 
And I'm going to have to sit in that conversation and I'm going to have to facilitate these guys to teach them how to get on the same page. Yes, and that's what bosses aren't willing to do. And then they're not willing to do it one time, two times, three times, eight times until they say, guys, do you see what it means for you to get on the same page in meetings with me? Yeah, okay, now you've watched me do it. Now you guys have to start doing it how? On your own. The next meeting, get together, come back, come and tell me what the results were, and I need you guys to get on the same page. Executives and bosses tend to just walk away and say, y'all figure it out. Get together and talk instead of jumping in those conversations and saying, I'm going to help you guys learn what it means to have professional discussions and get on the same page because we don't have time to mess around with this for six months. We've got to get on the same page now. Interesting. You know, and, and one of the things that we have here, and we've, we've uh, run out of time, but uh, that we've created a guarantee is what I think is the most important meeting of the week is all the middle managers, middle managers meet talk, together. Right. They go through a list of, uh, of projects from the executive team, and there's, you know, double-way feedback. That's right. You that's know, right. they're that, able to send it's feedback that, down, and it comes back up. That's the routine. If yeah. I could make one quick comment, I know we're running out of time. The third reason why executives or bosses want to, okay, the employees to get fired is they're tired of waiting. Yeah, they're, right. they're tired of all this happening, so then they just say, forget about it. Now, Maurice, uh, our topic in this segment is going to be, why are managers and supervisors not good at helping their employees perform? And this is under the heading of toxic employees and right. how to prevent them and all of a sudden. And can we and, can we say unperforming employees? Yeah, under, underperforming. Because they may not be sure. toxic, yeah. they're just not performing. You know, or not, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, remember we talked about how earlier there's just not agreement. Yes, they could just simply not agree. The the the, the middle manager doesn't agree with the man the, the boss that hey that this person ought to go. Okay, but they're not making that known, and they're not agreeing on the goals. But we also said on the deadlines, um, and they're not agreeing on. We, we don't hear a whole lot about this one. You're, they're not agreeing on the intensity. Mm-hmm. On right. the intensity. Um, so for it usually looks like this. I, the, 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 the saddest case is, is, is a supervisor that I have to dismiss. And his let's just call say that his name was Larry. It's not really Larry, okay? Uh, fantastic, fantastic guy. Great guy. Uh, I think he's done doing really well. He went into videography years afterwards. But uh, ultimately, he was managing several offices for me. And we, you just didn't know what he was doing. And, and in meetings, he was he was sort of quiet, but but he was consistent, okay? But my boss above me was 30 times his speed okay so there's the that that's where it falls apart right i ha- i have a boss who is three times gordy mm-hmm. <laughs> okay right and gordy, really how, how intense is gordy very v- very okay and then i have a manager below me that is 20 times the opposite direction Okay. Yeah. So when my boss and my above me and my manager below me they meet just in the click. cafeteria, what right. happens? They, they they don't talk. They don't. They don't know. Right. So hey, Larry, how's it going in the Harahan district? Uh, it's 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 going really well. Yeah. Um, see right there, my boss would get furious. Checks out. He says, should so, he should so, spit so, back thirty percent up. Blah 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 blah. The, yeah. Right. But wait wait. So let me ask you this: We were supposed to have. Um, uh, in, in that particular case, uh, we we're supposed to have a rollout from um, from the other department in your, let's say, a marketing rollout. How do you think it's going out in in, in your offices? Well, I, I think it's I think it's going really well. Yeah, I like it. It's a good program. Um, uh, the clients seem to really like it, and um, uh, I, th- I think it I think it was a good move. 
So now that conversation ends. I, my, my, my boss, you, <laughs> you know get blown headed. up, right? My supervisor, my boss, Kills walks you. to my office, and what does he tell me? Get rid of that guy. Get rid of that guy. And then I'm doing everything possible to show to my boss, I'm going, but the numbers show that we're moving in the right direction. Right. And if the numbers aren't showing that, that's when the boss goes, you see the numbers? i tell you what's causing this. Larry's lack of enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Larry's lack of- Not the guy. Not the guy. Okay. And then at that point, it becomes weeks and weeks of convincing my boss- that he's a good guy. So I work with Larry to try to step it up, okay? And I work with my boss to try to give me some time, right? okay? We let go of Larry. Gotcha. We went through the whole process, coaching, verbal coaching. We documented it. We, we, we did it right, okay? We did it right. So uh, he had time to go, and he jumped. He had a couple good jumps. And, again, I, I heard that he went and started his own company, did really well. Uh, and then we went out and cleaned his office because we were going to move his office to another office for, yes. the, for the replacement. We walked into his office, and, Gordy, what did I find? He was really buttoned up, all good stuff, positive stuff. Everything was perfect. Right. The other district managers – Never handled it as good as he did. Mm-hmm. But what was his weakness? Couldn't communicate. He, his In, intensity, intensity, right? His right. level of intensity could never rise to creating confidence that things were being taken care of, and he just couldn't get past that skill set of saying, "I have to show more enthusiasm so that I can give others confidence." Because he thought, if I have all my paperwork straight, that should show everybody that I'm doing it. And he missed the whole point that no. of success at the ground level is how well you communicated up. Okay, so let me go through a couple scenarios. Um, No intensity and no uh, poor intensity and no no result, no performance is easy. Oh, yeah. Right. And so, if he, so what's the remedy for a guy that like Larry that's performing? You ready? Yeah, I'm listening. You ready? Sure. Keep my balls from talking to Larry. Yeah. And keep Larry from talking to my boss. And the an agreement that the only way that my boss puts pressure on me is the numbers of the reports. Right. That's it. If the number and the numbers of the report are showing progress, all your role is as my boss is yep. you walk around and what do you say to my people? Great job. Sure. Absolutely. Great job. Right. If the numbers aren't good, what do you walk around telling my people? Well, Great job. Yeah. Great yeah. job. Okay. You let me do it. Right. Got you. Okay. And if I can't turn the numbers around, you put pressure on me and you stop judging my people and their performance based because they don't match your style. They're not supposed to. They're two levels below you. But if I can match your style and give you the results on paper that I want, I need you to stop expecting that they have to be as excited as you are. All right. Interesting. As Let's... long as they're giving me the numbers, I need a Larry to be calm out in the field because he's got to create consistent customer service. Gotcha. And here's another one. Larry might have hired 40 other Larrys, but they're doing the work. All right, so that's the the intensity. The second thing is oftentimes the Maurice's of the world, the middle manager, Mm -hmm. I get so busy with the work that I don't pick up enough. I don't pick my head up enough time. Right. So in other words, if you, uh, those of you on Facebook Live, you guys can see me. Most managers become this. They, they start looking down and they start working on the work. They're looking at a desk. Mm-hmm. Okay? But a manager and a supervisor should be doing what? Managing people. Picking up your head, right. walking around, and helping them. Right. But I usually can't, and this is the reason why. 
I usually probably have one position that's not filled. So I've distributed the labor across everybody. I've picked up tasks for myself. Now I'm so busy, I can't manage and supervise. So I dive in and I don't, and I, and you lose, you really lose your manager and supervisor because I've just become a glorified worker. Gotcha. And so any supervisor, uh, you know, most supervisors, they have to be working supervisors. So it should be 90, 10. 10% of the time they should be managing. That means 10% of your week. Mm-hmm. So that means at least four four to six hours you should be supervising. That's an entire day. Right, right. At least half a day, right? If it's not 90, it's 20. But, but if you're going to make somebody a supervisor, they need to at least spend four hours supervisor or more if if if, that, if it's required. Yeah, you know, one of the most important things I think we've done at Guarantee is that we've made our, our sales manager handles no accounts. He's 100% about managing the inventory, right, right, manage right, the people. Right, right. And you see so many different hybrids. That's right. Out That's there. good. That's fine. That's really good. Interesting. Most managers don't have that. I most most of the frontline supervisors I work with, they are like working. So I have to explain to them 90-10. And they go, okay, yeah, 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 I, I can do 10%. Okay, well, yeah, but let's not leave it theoretical. That means 10% of your time. There's 40 hours in a week. That means four hours of your time, you have to go do management. And what is management? This is the third part. Management is sitting down with your employees, coaching them, mentoring, and weekly, monthly reviewing their performance. Gotcha. Well, last thing, and yeah. again, a topic, uh, why are managers and supervisors simply just not good at helping their employees perform? Right. Uh, you know, uh, what, what if the employee doesn't know where he stands? Feedback's a huge part of it. That remember, I just said you have to at right. least do that. Yeah. Um, I have to sit. At, uh, I was I was in a workshop yesterday. It's huge. And I actually said this at the workshop, and I said, "All right, so managers, let me ask you this." So their boss was there. How much of your time? I stopped and I said, "You know what? Never mind. Let me ask you this: What all are you doing that you're so busy that you can't sit down with your employees, each one of your employees?" 20 minutes a week and review their performance. And they, they looked at me and went, 20? Maurice, I have seven employees. I don't have time to sit down with my employees for 20 minutes a week. And I'm like, are you hearing Are you hearing what you're saying? That's got to be priority number one, That right? is what right. a supervisor manager right. does. Anything else, you're not. If you're so busy to where you can't sit with your employees once a week for 20 minutes and explain to them, and explain to Larry, Larry, let's spend 15, 20 minutes and let me explain to you your personality profile and why I need you to step up your intensity. See, I'm not doing it because I don't have time for that. You know, one of the things that we put in place together here at Guarantee, I think it's really made everybody more effective, is that listening day for, for us is Monday. We yeah, do mo- all our mo- meetings Mondays, on Mondays. Mo- in tens meetings, that's right. I mean, that's seven, right. seven, eight meetings on Monday. Oh, yeah. but and it's, everyone here's knows the their schedule. Right. right, and here's the idea. Right. Come Tuesday, I don't want to hear from you. Exactly. Put it on the docket. That's we'll exactly talk right. about it. That's, go do, go that, do your job. That, how about we spend more time in the fourth segment on that? Yeah, okay. Because that yeah, routine no. is, is you know, because the first three right. segments we've talked about is very high level, very theoretical, but this, you just jumped into where All we All right, let's, to, let's go yeah, back. Then. Yeah. Give me the three reasons. Again, three three things that, that managers and supervisors are not good at helping their employees perform. What are the reasons? They're not in agreement with the executives on the goals, the timelines, and primarily the intensity. Okay. Two, they're too busy with the work. They don't pick their head up, and they don't structure their time to pick, okay? And when they do pick their head up, they don't go and spend time with their employees. Right. Tell them how they're doing and pushing expectations down and listening to their problems and fixing them. One, one, we, we've got just a, a few seconds sure. here. What about hallway feedback? I mean, there's it's official great. feedback. Use You're it. good with all yeah, sorts yeah. of feedback. But the one that usually dies in the vine is formal. Right. All companies have informal. Sure. Okay. The one that falls apart 
is people don't want to have formal sit-downs. We've been talking under the uh, topic of uh, how to prevent toxic employees. This segment, we're going to talk about where is the breakdown happening and what can managers and supervisors do to prevent employees from becoming toxic. All right. So this segment, let's break it down to the day-to-day, how do you how do you work on a day-in and day-out? It boils down to supervisors, managers, do you have a routine schedule? Okay? Right. And do you have a routine schedule? Of course, the answer is, yeah, you know, yeah, I do. It's kind of loose. All right, but, but let's put some, 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 some meat on that. Do you have a routine schedule where you're spending time with your with your individual team members in a formal semi-informal conversation about what are the problems that you're having what are the issues that you're running up against what's getting in your way tell me all your problems mm-hmm. so that I can either go up to our boss or I can go to other departments or I can go talk to another department supervisor in other words you need to let me know what's getting in your way Gotcha. And in that conversation, I need to let you know how I feel you've been doing for the past week or two weeks and letting you know what the expectations are. Look, I think you're doing a really good job. Let's say, for example, we're a truck truck manufacturing company, okay? Yeah. I think you're doing a really good job. You've been with us for four months. You passed the, 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 the first 90 days. Really good job. I've noticed in the last week, however, when you jump from, from truck to truck, you're not bringing your, your binder with you, okay? You, you kind of forget the binder. <laughs> And then you 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 try to you try to remember the steps, but you got to remember is we do tailored trucks here, mm-hmm. okay? So you can't just oh I forgot it, and then you don't take time out to go and you know check out the binder, right, right. and go look at it because I can tell that, and you've told me that in high school, you pretty much you, you just waited till the last day to, to to test, and you were really good at it. Gotcha. Well, here I can tell you're doing that, okay. You're not bringing your binder that shows you that that panel on this truck is not the same as that one. And then by the time the next crew gets it, they realize somebody two two bins down, you know, was was improvising. And because we're organized, we can tell that it's you. I need you to stop improvising. Right. Got you. You see. Yes. How long do I let that go? No, no, you got to stop it because it. I mean, well, downtime and well, everything. Well, the else supervisor you do, right? down the line right. told me that they're getting upset with peter mm-hmm. right and they know it's peter yeah <laughs> okay right. because that kid is not paying attention to procedure and they told me but i don't want to have a crucial conversation and i don't have the time to go sit down with him because i haven't set my time with peter to go talk to him on a regular basis yeah talking to peter is a when we need to you know you know what i'm saying so what happens is managers let's say you're peter right okay I don't have a regular time to talk with you, so when am I going to catch you? Hallway. So it's always about surprise. Rarely and right. So it's always about surprise. I hate surprise. Right. Okay. Who who works well under that? Nobody. Nobody. Right. Right? But if you're Peter and you know that on Thursdays I sit down with you for about 20 minutes, 2, 2, 30, 3 o'clock, then you know I need you to collect your issues. I'll bring you my issues. And I'll tell you where you're at. Now, if it's a fire, don't wait for that. Mm-hmm. But at least I know that you're that you're doing that. Okay. So the objection that I usually hear at this point is, well, man, I can't be doing that with everybody. My question is, so right, you may not be. How many people do you have under your oversight? Well, I got 17 people. Yeah, you're you're supervising too many people. Mm-hmm. You got to break it gotcha. up into team leaders. I understand. So you should have nine to twelve max. Okay. 
Uh, I heard a pastor say that even the Lord Jesus Christ only had 12 apostles. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You can't build a kingdom by having 17 people report directly to you. So you look at your nine people below you and you say, all right, I'm going to meet with all of them once a week, once every two weeks, and we're going to have a good 30-minute conversation on their problems and issues and what I feel their performance is good or bad good or bad or ugly, and then we just shoot an email to each other and say, hey, this is what we talked about, and make it go forward. Okay. So that that's 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 the first thing. All right, so that's the first thing. Next thing. Next that. thing is, uh, Gordy, this one just, just sinks managers, is that they let positions go unfilled too long. Mm-hmm. Okay? Let's say, for example, in the previous scenario, you were putting a lot of pressure to get for me to get rid of Larry. Mm-hmm. What are the chances that you're going to approve for me to replace Larry fast? Probably not. Because you don't have a confidence right, anymore. Right, Because, yeah, it, just, it was a hot mess that I had to deal with, and, and now that we moved him out, so right. forth and, and so on. And so, really, your issue was with Larry, right? That's right. But really, your issue is really with who? You. Exactly. Are you going to tell me that? No. Probably not. No. Okay? But I know there's now, there's now something between you and me, so I don't, really, I don't really know what that is, and so I do what most supervisors do, is I don't fill that position in. And yet... We need to fill a position in, but I then distribute tasks, and then I make everybody yes. do double work. Okay. And everyone knows that position needs to be filled, but I don't I've, – I've lost my grab. I've lost my my connection to be able to come back to you and say, hey, Gordy, we let go of Larry, but I found a really good candidate. I'd like for you to review this with me because we need to hire. Mm-hmm. Okay, and here's where the conversation goes. Yeah, but is this one going to be good? Right. And then it becomes an enema. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It, beca- it becomes like talking, a, hey, is this a, another Larry? Yeah, You're going to drop Larry? the ball what again? Are you do? You know? And so then the supervisor just kind of goes, oh, gotcha. I just can't find good people. And, and then, and so that's number two. All right, number three. Uh, number three is what we talked about earlier. Uh, if I'm going to go talk to Larry about his performance, am I coming up to you and updating you about my team? Or no, you're you... asking for separation. Exactly. Right. right. So you're saying, I'll, just you, if the numbers come up, then then it's on me. I got yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. You just come on me and let's have that conversation. Now, do I need you to go out into the floor and let your people see you? Let my people see you? I, I think yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You just uh, not engaged absolutely. to talk about. I had ni- I had 90 offices manage one for time. You, right. Yeah. And I had 90 offices once, and the CEO would go visit his mom. And on the way to his mom's in Chicago, he just happened to go visit seven of the ten offices. Okay. Okay, and I'd hear about it from all the branch managers, and he's telling them, go change this sign, go change oh, this, geez, go change right. that. I'm going, oh, great. So I called this wife one time and asked him what his next trip to go see his mom was. <laughs> okay? He came back. He was furious. He was furious because he told me, Maurice, this is not getting done. And I said, look, uh, 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 let's give it a name. Let's say his name is Greg. And I said, Greg. I, I, I need you. I need you to keep us in the offices, but I need you to not do that. What I need you to do is go and see what you see, and give me all that criticism and come chew my head out. Right. You know. And let me handle and, it. And let me handle it. You know what he said to me? Right. He said, "It doesn't work anymore, Maurice." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He says, "I feel that we do that, and you and I sit down, and those decals. You and I decided those were going to be up." Two months ago. So it doesn't work for me to talk to you. Huh. Oh. Oh. There's a crucial conversation. Right. I went, okay, so you're doing this on purpose. He says, I got a business to run. I got to figure out whether you're the man or you're not. And up to this point, you have been, but right. let me tell you what I found. Security bars in the back, they're not all up there, and you and I decided that eight months ago. Decals are not up. Signs are not 
signs are going out at night, okay? And on the tennis offices, you got six spots that are not filled. Do you want me to do your job or do you want to do your job? So you get at least you vet out the, the problem. And I right? said, okay, gotcha. we reset. And he said, all right, let's go again. And we agreed that once a month, he and I were going to have that fight. And then, and that we got honest. Got you. Yeah. So, so, so that's number four, being yeah, able to go being up. Being able to go up. Being able to, like that. That's right. All right. And, and then, then the last one yeah. is uh, nobody does this, man. And this is just the, the almost the secret always be recruiting. Sure. Always right. be looking for new You're talent. You're never full. You, and, and when you have a good team that's performing, well, then go and re- go and meet sure. new people and build a bullpen. Stuff happens. It Stuff happens. Somebody quits. Somebody's mom. Somebody goes toxic or whatever, and that you need a new person. you got three people you've been talking to. you know. And if your people know that you're talking to others, they realize that I'm, they're I'm still just, motivated, they're right? Still, I'm, I'm, I'm just one of the pitchers. Right, you right. Know? And so, but, but how can managers do this if they're, just, they're not looking up? They're looking down because they're so busy with the work. All right, Maurice, take us, yeah. uh, again, five points here. Where is the breakdown, and what can managers and supervisors do to fix? So, number one, organize your schedule, build a routine so you're meeting with your people. Okay? Number two, make sure that all your spots are filled. Number three, review the progress of your people once a week, every two weeks. Number four, make sure you're having the same weekly, biweekly conversations up with your supervisor and invite your supervisors to be very critical of you. And remember... Their issues is with you, not your people. Gotcha. And then fourthly, always be recruiting, always be looking for new talent. All right, fantastic. So there we have it. Maurice Velasquez, Team Real World. You can find this out on the website or Mo. Give of my, if they want you in the flesh, they the can flesh. do that. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, so uh, uh, call us at 225-772-4357 or go to our website, teamrealworld.com. They have worked wonders for us, and he'll do the same for you. He is Maurice Velasquez. I'm Gordy Rush. This is Winning in the Workplace. Life lessons from the office. Winning in the Workplace with the foremost authority on business consulting in Baton Rouge, Maurice Velasquez of Team Real World, and Gordy Rush on Talk 107.3 FM, WBRP.